Hi, my name is Bob Brooks, founder of Long in the Tooth Podcast. Most dentists fail to plan ahead for the sale of their practice, which costs them hundreds of thousands of dollars and burdens the ones they love with uncertainty about the future. So every Friday on Long in the Tooth, we share non-clinical insights from dental industry experts to help practice owners prepare for the sale of their practice today so they maximize profitability and peace of mind in the future. For all the hard work you put into building a practice, we believe that you, your family, and your staff deserve to transition after the sale into an even richer and more rewarding season of life. Welcome back to the Long of the Tooth podcast. Grateful to have uh, with us today, Larry Chatterley, who is uh, my mentor and former business partner, somebody that I learned, have learned everything I've learned about dental transitions I learned from Larry. So I'm excited to have him on here today. Larry, welcome. Thank you. You're so kind. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. It don't come much better than Larry, that's for sure. Um, but Larry has experience. Larry, you started transitioning dental practices in 1988. That's correct. Yeah, and so been doing that a lot of years. I joined you in 99. Um, you've seen a lot of things in dentistry. And in particular, I was curious to ask you about dentists that you see succeed versus those that you see that struggle. So having a dentist that you come into an office and you see this in transition oftentimes too, where you'll sell a practice that's thriving, a dentist take over and he'll struggle, or you sell a practice that's struggling, the dentist who takes over thrives. What are you seeing as the common characteristic among those dentists that are successful? That's interesting you would bring that up, Rand. And I guess it's primarily their mindset. <clears throat> their their attitude they bring to the practice. Like you said, we can have a great practice that we transition. The seller's doing all kinds of stuff. And if the buyer comes in and, and doesn't work on these three things we're, we're going to talk about in a minute, these three things, what I call relationship, reputation, and referrals, if he doesn't understand how that works, it, it could be challenging. Whereas a person who understands certain values relative to those three things can take a practice doing very poorly and turn it around and be very successful. And so what's, I'm going to talk about these three R's of success, relationships, reputation, and referrals. So let's talk about relationships. <clears throat> and let me just kind of do a quote from Intuit. And if you're familiar with that company, <clears throat> this is what they said about their, about customers. They say many and I'm, at, I'm adapting this to practices. They say many companies, but we'll say many practices say that most important job is satisfying the patient. But satisfying the patient is simply the minimum requirement for staying in business. Therefore, don't just to seek to satisfy them, seek to wow them. Wow means creating more patients' enthusiasm and delight. It means giving, more, <clears throat> giving patients dramatically more value than they expect, whether that me is measured by price, performance, and quality of service. You know you're succeeding when you get your patients to go out and tell others about your practice. I like so, that. I like that a lot. Yeah. Well, and that's interesting that they would use creating enthusiasm and delight because I wouldn't. I wouldn't expect <clears throat> most patients would be enthusiastic or or have or or think of the word delight when it comes to going to a dentist. <laughs> well and, and doing your taxes wouldn't be either and i think intuit are the ones that made tax turbo tax oh that's right that's a good point <laughs> or, or, so, or, or uh, you, go ahead 
Oh, I was just going to ask, what, what were some of the things that you've seen dentists do that have created that type of experience for their patients? Well, the one thing that I found that really has uh, made a significant difference in the practices I've seen is a sense of gratitude. <clears throat> in one in particular practice, this person probably has about 50 practices within a stone's throw. I, I would say probably at a three or four mile radius. And I know a lot of other practices in that area and they do okay, but this particular one thrives much better. They, in fact, it's so busy, they stop accepting new patients. They're booked out operatively six months. And so, and hygiene is, is the same. And if you miss your appointment, it could be another six months. Wow. <clears throat> and I asked this dentist and the staff, what was the culture that made the difference? And they said their number one is their sense of gratitude and feeling appreciated for what they do. A sense of appreciation and gratitude. So what they do every morning in their huddle, <clears throat> they go around and talk about something they're grateful for, whether it's a staff, a patient, or something at the home front. And they talk about that's the culture. But that culture permeates with the patients. Because if the, I, I look at it this way, if, if the staff feels like they're number one, how, what are they, they going to do with the patients? They're going to make the patients feel like number one. And the, and the thing I've seen in practice is when the doctor focuses so much on the patient at the expense of the staff, they don't, and they're feeling like they're in second place, then how do you think they're going to feel and how are they going to treat the patients? That's an excellent insight. That reminds me of um, reminds me of a, a book I read years ago. I'm trying to remember the author, but uh, he's, you may remember called "The Customer Comes Second. Right. And uh, <laughs> and then there was kind of an, a related article I read in Dental Economics where they quoted Herb Kelleher, I think it was, the CEO of Southwest Airlines, who talked about how important his employees are, and that if they're not happy with their jobs, if they're not enjoying their work. They're not really concerned about the customer experience. Yeah. So th that's where the, the three R's, the relationships, if they cultivate a great relationship with the staff, they're truly concerned about their welfare. <clears throat> because years ago, I think it was Gallup did a research, or it was Robert Half and Associates, excuse me. And they interviewed thousands of people. And the three things they found that was on the top of their list, number one is feeling appreciated for the work done feeling in on things and and the number three was feeling understood and accommodated regarding personal issues in their life and it's interesting most people in corporation think that money is number one hmm. and that's not the case if money is number one in the minds of employee that's just an indication that there you got to pay me well to put up with all the stuff i have to deal with you know? uh, <laughs> Yeah, I've heard that that, that that an employee will do the very minimum they need to, to to retain their job for what they're getting paid, but they're only willing to go above and beyond if they feel appreciated for the work they're doing. Yeah. So it, it's, it, it boils down to the fact that if you cultivate a great relationship with the staff <clears throat> and uh, that what that does is cultivate the, the second R, the reputation of about people feeling good about when this particular practice I talked about, the one thing they the patients liked from what the feedback was is just the way they were treated. And it was an exceptional. And um, so much so that they started telling their friends. In fact, the doctor said he got a ding on his Gmail account because the patient couldn't get in soon enough. 
a new patient. <clears throat> yeah, there's a six month wait. So that generates referrals. If you have that type of relationship, that's going to generate a reputation that other people are going to tell other people about your business. And that brings in referrals. And this particular practice, by the way, does no marketing whatsoever, other than they have a website. But they know, it's all been internal, no, no external. All patient referrals. All, and they're out of network. <clears throat> Not even in, in network on any PPO plans. No. They got so swamped years ago, they decided they, they just couldn't keep up with it. So, and interesting, when they went out of network, they thought that was going to, a lot of patients were going to go somewhere else. 90% chose to stay and pay the difference. Interesting. That's fascinating. So it's really about creating a culture where people feel valued and appreciated, where they feel like they're important and they feel seen and feel heard. And once they're in that safe environment and 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 have those feelings of appreciation, then they can be more outward focused in terms of making sure the patient has a good experience in the office. Yeah. And then the patient's creating then enthusiasm, delight, going above and beyond to create a, a an excellent patient experience that exceeds the patient's expectation expectations and then incentivizes them to go out and tell others about the practice. Yeah. I think when people feel that way, uh, when they have an open, uh, what do you call it? Where they feel safe, they're much more willing to open up and help make suggestions and not feel threatened. And they're much more supportive, but when people feel uh, reluctant to contribute, Usually it's because they don't feel safe either around their fellow peers or, or the doctor for that matter, which leads me to a book, which I recently read, which is an excellent book called leading with gratitude. And it's, I can't remember both authors, Adrian Gossick is one of them. And it's interesting in that book, they have researched a bunch of companies and they found here again <clears throat> about page about uh, staff or employees feeling appreciated and cultivating a sense of uh, gratitude has launched much more successful in these companies. In other words, if they focus more on the staff, it's almost like uh, on being appreciated, then the numbers and the profitability takes care of itself. Mm. Whereas if they focus on always the numbers and you know the bottom line, they may be undermining the very resource, the human resources that they've tried to develop. Interesting. It's and interesting, I found out about this book years ago from a guy on a plane, and he's a healthcare consultant, and he does, he consults big, uh, big hospital chains. And I said, if there was one book out there, what book would you suggest your, the people read and, and, and try to cultivate in the, in the organization? He says, by far, this book, Leaning with Gratitude. Hmm. Leading with gratitude. Interesting. So developing relationships leads to referrals. And then what's our third R? Oh, the first is relationships, which creates a, re a reputation. Oh, reputation. I'm sorry. Yes. And then leads to the referrals. <clears throat> and, it away. and if they focus on that, then they don't have to go out and do all this external marketing. The problem is practices that are highly re uh, dependent on external marketing that tells me they're losing them out the back door as fast as they come in the front door. And so that also bodes well for those people who are transitioning their practice. Those practices that are highly referral oriented, that is a good culture to step into versus a practice that was highly dependent on external marketing to continually bring in new patients. So 
for those who are thinking of transitioning, uh, you know, in the future, five or 10 years, they may want to take note, hey, how can we develop this culture? Because that means that will set a good foundation for success for the next person who comes in. Interesting. Fascinating. Excellent stuff, Larry. I sure appreciate you coming and sharing sharing these thoughts on what you've seen made make uh, dentists successful. Uh, any final thoughts as we close this episode? <clears throat> no, I would. Yes, I guess the last thing I would say is uh, we didn't mention this, but this particular practice, they have a gratitude journal. They write in every day besides verbally doing it. And I think if, if doctors would do that, it will realign their thinking a little differently. Uh, the way they look at life and, and with their family and friends, as well as the staff. So, and there's a lot of books <clears throat> on cultivating gratitude that has come out. Robert Emmons, you know, the psychologist at, uh, I think, University of California, uh, and in Southern California one, um, he did a lot of research on that. And you can log on and you can see some of his research about positive psychology and gratitude. So with that, I, was, I sure appreciate talking to you about this today, and hopefully that will help the listeners. Excellent. Thank you, Larry. Thanks again for, for speaking with us and for sharing your insights. Appreciate it.